sitting at two and four, Boston College has a lot going against them heading into their game against Wake Forest on Saturday. On today's show, Cam Lemons is going to join me from Demon uh, Deacons Demon Deacons Digest to talk about Wake Forest and what they could do to the Boston College Eagles. To hear all about this, hang on. We're going to talk about that on today's Locked On BC. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome. This is Locked On BC. I'm your host, AJ Black. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, if you're like me, you, you, you're, you've got your hesitations about Saturday's game. And the BC Eagles are heading on the road to Winston Salem to play the Wake Forest Demon Deacons and you know, it's a 19 and a half to 20 and a half point fa- uh, spread here. Can they hold their own? I wanted to get our perspective and go behind enemy lines to find more out about Wake Forest. And I have Cam Lemons of 247's Wake Forest site. Cam, how is it going? Hey, AJ, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. I, you know, I think BC fans are looking at this game and they're saying, hmm. There's not really much I'm seeing here and the in terms of BC possibly pulling off some crazy upset. And the first issue I look at is that offense. And it, one of the best stories of the season was, was the return of Sam Hartman, who is, he's played dynamic. I think it's 16 touchdowns to two interceptions. You know, he held his own. He looked like every bit, one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC when he battled against Clemson. Tell me a little bit about Sam Hartman and what makes him such a dangerous quarterback. I mean, it's kind of the feeling that he's been there for about 17 years at this point. Which it feels like. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, just hands, hands in the air. I am a 2018 grad of Wake Forest. Um, Sam Hartman early enrolled during my senior spring. Um, so that's kind of an indication of how long he's been there. I mean, he came through that year, started in the fall of his freshman year. Ended up breaking his leg around game seven, I think, of that year in his last four games. Yep. Got, you know, sat, had to sit behind Jamie Newman in 2019. You know, Jamie beat him out during that uh, during that fall camp. And then the COVID season, he kind of steps back into the, to the role of being the starter. 2021, you know, last year he has his breakout year. And then obviously he's back this year again. I mean, part part of it is just experience. Like he just looks so much more comfortable. I've I've been someone that's been a lot lower on Sam Hartman than pretty much the general public, especially his first few years. A lot of his stats were a against lower tier opponents, and b you know when we got when he got into those bigger games against a Wisconsin and Duke Mayo Bowl against a Notre Dame in his freshman year, you Pitt last year even the AC Championship game, you would see the snowballing effect of him just throwing interception, interception, interception. This year, that just hasn't been the case. I and mean, he's, you know, we had the little hiccup at, at Liberty game um, in, in game three. But outside of that, he's been absolutely stellar. I mean, he's, he'll, he'll miss some throws here and there. No QB is perfect. I don't think you would expect that. But he's just had such a good rapport with guys like A.T. Perry, guys like Keyshawn Williams, Jamal Banks. And he's just so in control of his offense. And it almost just looks easy to him at some points. I mean, that also helps when you're 27. But right. 
And if I remember correctly, he still has a year of eligibility left too, doesn't he? If he, he wants to stay. does have another year of eligibility left. Um, I don't think he'll be using it, but just to, just as a people were like, oh, you know, he should be done for this. No, he's got a, he's got one more year if he choose if oh for some reason he chooses to come back. <laughs> His kids are gonna be playing there before uh, he graduates. <laughs> um, all right, now you know I think one of the 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 most interesting thing about Wake's the offense, and I think you probably are sick and tired of talking about it, but it it it, it as someone who just watches them from afar. It, it's so unique is this, the slow mesh mesh RPO that they run the slow mesh options that they do, you know, tell me a little bit about what that does to a defense and like a team like BC, why it can really freeze cornerbacks really cause some issues and, and make it so much easier on a quarterback like Hartman. So it's, I, I kind of liken it to a triple option in a sense, because there are really three options to it. You have, Obviously, the handoff to the running back who can decide whether or not he wants well, – well, the QB decides if he wants to keep it, and that the kid can either keep it through the, through the middle, bounce it outside, kind of do whatever he wants to do there. Second option is obviously Hartman pulling it, throwing it, and third option is Hartman pulling it and taking it off himself. What happens when you know we when they start trying to elongate that mesh? And I think one of the important things when you're watching it is – not every one of the mesh plays for them is a slow mesh. Like they're not always walking up to the line. Sometimes it's just a normal RPO. People just want to call it one. But when they're actually walking up to the line, what they're doing is they're reading the safeties. People like to, a lot of times people are like, oh, they're, re- they're like trying to suck in the linebackers. And they are trying to suck in the linebackers to a degree. But what they're trying to do, what Sam is doing is he's trying to read the safeties. If the yep. safeties are coming down and trying and thinking, okay, I need to help in the run game then and he says he has a guy like A.T. Perry or Donovan Green on the outside with a one-on-one matchup, he's t- he's tossing that one-on-one matchup all day. That's just what's going to happen. The safeties are setting back. That's where, you know, it kind of goes to, okay, if the linebackers are creeping up, is there something over the middle where I can just hit tight end and play quite harder, Keyshawn Williams in the slot? Um, you know, but if they're, if, you know, everyone's kind of playing their own role, then honestly, he'll just hand it off and they'll take three, four yards in the ground. So it's just that whatever they do is just a normal thing of, it doesn't really matter what people are doing at this point. More often than not, they're going to get three, four yards out of it. <laughs> and, you know, you're looking at a team like this and obviously, and and rightfully so, the talk is always about Sam, right? Hartman yeah. is going to be the guy that everyone talks about because he's such a, he's such a playmaker and, you know, he's, he's fearless, which is what I, I, I noticed when I watched him play against Clemson, I saw a quarterback that just, he just was fearless out there, but I'm looking at, the rest of this team, because you can't just win with a quarterback. I mean, look at BC, <laughs> like Jacoby was supposed to be the guy and he's one guy and he can't do it. Um, when you're looking at Wake Forest, who are some X factors? Uh, you know, I think everyone knows who AT Perry is, but like yeah. some other guys that, you know, if you're a BC fan and you're, you're looking at this team on offense, who are some of the other names that are, I think are really important to, for fans to know about? Um, I think name number one is, running back number one, uh, whoever that may be at this point. Uh, it's probably Justice Ellison right now. He's definitely the guy who's getting the first string carries. I don't want to diminish Christian Turner. I think Christian Turner has fit his role quite well of coming in and spelling him. But Justice Ellison has been the guy that they've said, hey, you are our first team running back. And we've seen against against uh, VMI and against Liberty, when he couldn't get going on the ground, you know, that's when the offense really started sputtering. You know, they were still missing passes here and there. But when their ground game wasn't going, the offense isn't go, it doesn't go. Right. And so, but we saw against 
um, against Liberty. You saw against FSU. We saw, honestly, in the second half against Clemson when Clemson decided they were sick and tired of getting beat over the head when they kept playing man coverage on the outside. You know, we saw the running backs like Justice Ellison and keep kind of churning his legs, turn, going, going, going. Like I said earlier, you know, two, like three, four yards, like I mean, four yards is obviously a win for anyone, but three yards is a win for this this offense. And the way that the running backs are kind of taught, it's a really patient style. They're not always trying to just hit the hole immediately and just kind of and just sprint through and see what happens there. They're, he, Justice Ellison's actually sitting there waiting, being patient, seeing, okay, is the hole actually going to open? Do I need to, am I going to actually be able to balance this out? You know, what's going on there? And I think he's a really big impact guy there. I think Keyshawn Williams at the slot receiver has been an immense help to Sam Hartman and the Wake Forest team. Um, he's been splitting time to the slot um, with him and Taylor Marin. And he really has coming out party in the Liberty game where he's kind of making tough catch after tough catch. And then FSU where Sam Hartman throws a ball that, I mean, if we're being honest, probably shouldn't have thrown it. And then a five, he, I think he's listed at 5'10". A 5'8", Keyshawn Williams comes over here and just kind of mosses a, a six-foot defensive back for a first down and really much just kind of sets the tone of the drive that Wake Forest used to put the game away. I mean, there's just so many options between Keyshawn Williams and Jamal Banks and Donovan Green, um, Taylor Marin, Blake Whitehart at tight end. Like, they just have so many weapons for Sam Hartman to just throw the ball to right now. It's right. it's hard, especially, you know, if you're someone that's just like, ah, you know, I'm going to pick this to be a good day for Donovan Green. And it's just like, sorry, three other guys have like five catches for 90 yards. Sorry. <laughs> so – in a moment, I want to get in with Cam and talk about a defense that last year I thought was uh, a major issue with, with Wake Forest. But they've made some changes and we've seen some improvements. But I want to know how big of an improvement it's going to be against a BC offensive line that, folks, has been pretty putrid. We're going to get to that in just a moment. Now, I want to tell you about our friends over at Sweatblock. Sweatblock is doctor-recommended. It was created by a doctor with his own excessive sweating, and it helps tremendously. I'll tell you from personal experience, I'm a guy in the summer months. It doesn't even have to be summer months. If the heat's just a little high, I sweat. I sweat. I If I'm wearing a dress shirt, goodbye. I, I I'm, It's terrible for pictures. I look like a big sweaty mess. And that's when I started using sweat block. It, you, you apply it at night before you go to bed, and it will work for days after you apply it and it has been a game changer in my life because it is it is what you need to make it through you know a body that can kind of get that you know that sweaty feeling so if you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor try sweat block just you can save 20 percent with promo code locked on at sweatblock.com or even you can just go to amazon it's available there folks I'm telling you from personal experience, you need to check out Sweatblock. This is Locked on BC. I'm your host, AJ Black. I'm here with Cam Lemons of 247's Wake Forest uh, site. And we're talking about Wake Forest and BC. But before we do that, I want to make sure I am on, I've told you guys, we are on a quest to get 600 subscribers to our YouTube page before the start of the basketball season. So if you're listening to this right now, what you need to do is hit that subscribe button and be, you'll get notified when we go live and we're going to do some, I, I'm going to go live probably after the wake forest game this weekend with Mitch to talk about what happens and ooh, got a bad feeling about it, but we'll get there. We'll talk about it. We'll get through it together. You're only going to be able to get that. If you are subscribed to us on YouTube. 
So hit YouTube. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, go to youtube.com, look up Locked On BC, and hit that subscribe button. It does help the podcast out a lot. Now, Cam, last year, Wake Forest was a t- it, w- it seemed like a one dimensional team where you had <laughs> this otherworldly offense that was. I mean, frankly, a lot of fun to watch if you're just watching a game and you're going, holy crap, that offense is so good. <laughs> and I, then I go back to the Army game and I go, oh, my gosh, that defense was so bad. And then you made some you got a new defensive coordinator down to about 25 points per game, which with that offense is what you need. Tell me a little bit about this defense and and are, are, are they playing up to what you need them to do or are they are they still kind of lagging behind? You know, there, there's still some things I want them to clean up. Um, I actually just kind of wrote an article this morning that touched on the fact that they're still allowing one of they're still one of the highest explosive rate teams allowing allowing, especially through the air. Like teams are still gashing them through the air occasionally. Yep. I mean, Clemson did it essentially what seven times, um, which essentially cost them the game. Florida State, whose wide receivers aren't necessarily all world. We're kind of gashed over the air five times. Army opened up the game with it. Um, so mm-hmm. there's still some things to be to be clear, clear out there. And I know against Army, they were down three corners, and they should be getting guys back in the secondary this week, um, which is what they have been missing for the last couple of weeks. But all in all, I've been I've been impressed with you know at least the turnaround. At least there's I'm fine with guys getting beat through the air at a certain to a certain point. Sometimes you're just gonna lose those one-on-one fights. It happens. I mean, there was points where Clemson was having a there's 6'6", 250 tight end against one of Wake's best safeties, Malik Mustafa, who's 5'11", 200 pounds. Like, you're, like we're, you're not going to win that one. Right. What, was pro- what was problematic last year was just there were just so many things that were just basic things They were that they would just mess up. It would be a linebacker would point out that someone's coming out on the wheel route. It would, he would point it out to a linebacker, <laughs> point out to a corner, and no one would take him. They'd miss just easy tackles here and there. And you would just be sitting there and going, you'd have good. And they, I think the biggest part was they were being inconsistent. You'd have games against FSU and UVA, whose offense was pretty good last year. You had like those two games, they thought they were, they was like, okay, cool. The, the offense, the defense is kind of making sure they can keep the offense in game and allow their offense, the offense to really thrive. I mean, against Florida State last year, I think they had five turnovers. And then, like you said, they have the Army game. They have the second half of the UNC game last year where, sure, they went down three corners but you still gave up 55 points. Like, that just that can't happen. Like, you have – I mean, I, I don't want to – the pick game wasn't really on them. There was a lot of short fields there. But it was just a lot of times that it just felt like just tackle after tackle they were just missing. And, you know, this year they're not doing that. I mean, a lot. one thing that the players have continued to say in the interviews have been they aren't – especially the defensive line, which I think there's been a massive improvement there, is they're just not thinking as much. A lot – last year – the defensive line was trying to play a lot of they were trying to just kind of like hold up gaps and, and like let linebackers come in and kind of clean things up. Now the defensive line is being challenged. You know, you're, you're going to go out there and win a one-on-one battle with whoever you got in front of you. They'll still stunt. They'll still, which will still open stuff up for the linebackers, but it's not, you're not sitting there and just trying to like eat up space. You're sitting there trying to win. And I think that's made such a huge difference for the rest of the defense because now they're getting a lot more pressure on the quarterback. They're getting with or without blitzing. They're allowing the linebackers to actually come in and make plays that aren't at halfway impossible angles. They're giving their DBs a chance to say, hey, you know, if you guys can just hold up in coverage for four seconds, we'll get to the quarterback, we'll bring him down, 
and good. And I think that's been a huge adjustment from last year where it kind of felt like they, they would just be spamming one or two calls every hour and then it's like, okay, cool. That's not working. What are we, what are we doing now? All right. So good to know. That's and I think BC fans are, you guys going to want to know like what you're getting into here when you're playing a team against Wake Forest. Now on the BC offensive side of the ball, the the question going into every single game, I feel like a broken record. I talk about this five times a week, and I feel like I've talked about the offensive line uh, sixty times now. <laughs> it's just it's just going on and on and on. It's going to be the battle in the trenches, and at, at its essence, a lot of football that's what it is. But for BC, it, it's it's multiplied because their offensive line, we don't know if Drew Kendall's going to play their starting center. We don't know if Finn Durstein's going to play their guard. It's still a big question there. Talk a little bit about how Wake's defensive line has played. I know you talked a little bit about it, but in terms of pass rush uh, and, you know, and some of those names that people are going to want to watch um, that could be, could have big games. <laughs> let's, let's be yeah. frank. I mean, it, it's hard for me to say, you know, it starts and ends with there because I think there are two guys that things really start in with first is uh, edge rusher Rondell Bothroyd. He's been another guy that's been with the program 17, 18 years at this point, who also does have another year of eligibility. I don't think he'll be using it, but I mean, he's one of PFF's highest graded um, edge defenders um, in the ACC as well as in the nation. I think he has a 90 grade overall in pass rushing, which I mean, if you're not familiar with PFF grades, 90 is uh, NFL level <laughs> at this point. Yep. Yep. Um, and he's, He's been great. I think he has about, I think for PFF, 20, 20 pressures, 13 hurries, three sacks, 12 tackles. I mean, Rondell has just been a guy that's been, I think he's benefited so much with this new defensive coordinator. But then in the middle, you have Kobe Turner, who is a grad transfer they brought up from Richmond. Uh, yep. They've actually been kind of farming from Richmond the last couple of years, which has been really interesting. Uh, Kobe Turner was a guy that, you know, he, he was an all-American FCS player a couple of years in a row. You know, but Joe's worry about someone adjusting from FCS to not just FBS level, but power five level. And I think right now he's the highest graded defensive tackle in um, per PFF in the country. Okay. He is great. He's at 92.8 on, on, on PFS, 18 pressures, a sack, 14 hurries, 17 tackles. Like the, he has just been a guy that Dave Clawson kind of just raised about him every, every week. And it's just one of those guys that uh, quote unquote from Dave Clawson is, you can put, you can take three or four plays from Kobe Turner each and every game and put it out to any film room in, in the country. And it's like, this is how you play football. He's just been an absolute wrecking machine on the, on the defensive line. They've been a team in our defensive line that has been really, really welcoming this newfound aggression, not having to think and just saying, we're just going to get after the quarterback, get after the running back and just no one's really going to stop this. The only person, the only team that really stopped them was Clemson, who I know, and I know Clemson's offensive line has gotten some flack here and there over the last year, but I think it's more so because they've gotten last year they were bad, but this year I think they've just gotten flack because they're not, you know, CFP level, but they're still one of the, I think ultimately one of the best offensive lines in the ACC. Yep. And so, but every other line that Wake has gone up against, they've kind of just done what they wanted to against them. <laughs> yeah. Now, in a second. I'm going to talk about game previews, but I also want to ask Cam, BC and Wake Forest have a lot in common. And I think BC fans have looked at Wake Forest as a program they want to, to emulate in terms of the success of their football program. And I want to look at 
talk to Cam just a little bit about where Dave Clawson has com- come from and where he has progressed to in just a moment. But before we do that, our friends over at BetOnline.net are your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest p- player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sporting sport out there. When I just went on before this podcast, BC and Wake, it was plus 20 and a half for Wake. And I'll get on tomorrow's show what my thoughts are. But if you think that's too high, uh, it's minus 20 and a half. Sorry for Wake. Minus 20 and a half. But I'll tell you right now, the over-under is 61 and a half. I, I already went on bet online. I hit the under on that one. I think that's, that's a slam dunk. But you can go, if you agree with me, if you disagree with me, Head over to Bet Online. They have it all. It's so easy to use. You can go over there and make your sports wagering information uh, picks lightning quick. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, we're going to wrap things up here with Cam. Uh, but Cam asked me, I was on Cam's podcast. I don't know where that's going to drop, but you can check that out. If you go to uh, 247's Wake Forest page, you can you can hear my thoughts on BC on there, and I'm sure you guys want to hear it, so go over there. Cam, you asked me what BC has to do to, to not let this get out of hand. Let me know. What could BC do to kind of catch Wake Forest sleeping? Um, I mean, on offense, find a way to run the ball. Uh, yep. That You know, I, I, I know Wake has been – through the air, pretty, pretty, pretty poor in terms of a lot of explosive plays. But I think you're not going to want. I don't think BC wins a foot race here. I don't. Right. I don't think if, if if BC has you know three straight drives of 75 yard touchdowns to Zay Flowers, I want to know how sustainable that is. Not so much from a Zay Flowers perspective, but a you haven't done this all year sort of thing. Yep. Well, yep. I, I think BC's best chance on offense is to say you're. Hey, uh, Sam Hartman, you're getting two possessions this half. That's it. I think that's your best your best option there. Um, you know, it, will it be a little bit tough with the offensive line? Is it banged up? Is not? I don't know. But I mean, you can do it. You, uh, Zay Flowers can be an extension of the run game. Just get the ball to him somehow. Just quick, short passes and go from there. But as long as you're keeping the chains moving on um, every da- every down, every drive, I think that's how you can come in there and make a surprise from there. On defense, I think honestly, um, well, yeah, well, well, I guess Winwick has the ball. I would say would be. Honestly, try to do your best to confuse Sam Hartman. I'm not, it's a little hard to confuse a guy who's just so old and, and so experienced and has been running the offense so well. But if you can confuse him and confuse them into thinking they can run the ball when they can't, I think Liberty, out of all teams, I think Clemson just more so just was a manhandling sort of defensive line for the first half. And then Wake was able to run the ball in the second half. I think Liberty did a really good job of saying, we're going to throw these weird looks at you in order to make you think you can run the ball and then tackled well. And we just could not run the ball. I think the running backs ran for a combined six yards in the Liberty game. Yep. And I think, you know, if you're able to say, Hey, we can throw these weird looks at you, these exotic looks at you and just say, make you think like, okay, you got to just throw a little quick pass over the middle or take your little three, four yards on the ground. And then it's a minus two game. That's how you're going to get this team off schedule. And once the team is off schedule, that's where things kind of get, out of hand wakes one of the one of the best teams in the country at punishing you when they get to the red zone and in general they're one of the best teams at scoring points but when they get behind the sticks 
that's when things get a little bit hairy for them. And so I think I think the stat that I had the other um, the other day was that in terms of like their drives from um, I use I use Brian from OSFEI um, a lot. They're 71st in the percentage of drives that earn at least first for at least one first down. Like, so I think if you can start taking advantage of that and say we can get a couple of drives, we can get them off the fuel for one or two drives like pretty quickly, you know, will things start snowballing for Wake? All right. All right. Now, I'm going to give you a quick one because I, I, let's just go over this really quick. Give me your prediction for the game. <laughs> right now I have uh, – <laughs> and sorry about this. Wake 44, BC 10. Um, I'm with you oh, on the under. I'm not that far off from my, um, my prediction. From my I think prediction. I think the under probably might be my favorite bet. Um, if, yeah. if you do so indulge in those sorts of things, I happen to. Um, I'm I'm someone that just thinks that I I have a lot of respect for BC. I think they always have these wacky games. Yeah, um, I think I unfortunately was not at the six three game. I wish I was, but I think this is something where both teams are coming off bye week. And I think at first this is going to come out to be a very sloppy game at first. Yep. I think coming off bye week. It's just kind of statistically shown that teams just aren't as rusty, that aren't as are sharp. Something Dave Clawson talked about in his in his press conference uh, on Tuesday was that I mean he thought the energy was great, but the practice was a little rusty. I think that happens when you have a week off and you're just trying to get through the entire season. But I think once things kind of get in the gear, I'm preparing myself for Zay Flowers to have a couple, two, three, four big plays to the air. He's just that good. That kid's a day one pick to me. Yep, I'm really, really high on him, and I think he'll get his at a certain point. But I think after a bit, Wake starts selling down. You know, I think even if BC has a little bit of success on the ground, you're not one of the, if not the worst, statistically run deep run offenses in the country just by accident. I think right. there are just certain things we're not able to do on the ground, and I think that's something Wake will be able to say, hey, as long as they can get, you know, one or two stops there, it's third and eight, third and nine. They're more than happy to, to sit here and run with three man three man fronts and just say, hey, figure out where to throw the ball before we get there. So I think this is something that Wake's offense will start kind of churning. They'll they'll get they'll kind of get theirs. I don't know if it'll be exactly as easy as some people will think, but I think at a, as a whole they'll just wear that team down and kind of walk out of Winston with a win. So last question for you before you go, and I don't want you to get too deep into this because we only have a couple <laughs> minutes left. But I think BC and Wake, as schools and programs, have a lot in common. And Dave Clawson, I think, is what a lot of BC fans idealize right now for Jeff Halfley, like as a coach that has taken a program and brought them to this next level. Can you talk a little bit about, just really quick, like where, you know, he, I, I remember covering Wake BC games where, where Clawson was definitely not the golden child that he is now yeah. can you talk a little bit just about his pro- progress and the ups yeah. and downs he's had i mean yeah i mean it, it, it's pretty much predicated on patience and evaluation right my first year at, at wake when i was a weary eyed freshman was the year of the zero zero vt game so i've seen the the derfs of what dave glossen's team was and when dave took over that team there were a bunch of fcs quality players there call a spade a spade there were a bunch of people that shouldn't have been playing on the on the FBS level, not just the P- Power Five level. And you know, by after year two, things got a little little wonky because I mean, he's, you're still trying to build a program, and it takes two, three, four years to do that. But once he got his guys in, and I think that's been a testament of Dave Clawson and his staff has been. You look at 
Um, look at Warren Ruggiero, who's just turned you know three-star quarterbacks like Jamie Newman and Sam Hartman, John Walford into legitimate prospects and legitimate college quarterbacks. You look at running backs coach John Hunter, who you know discovered Kenneth Walker III, who's now on the NFL, and you have you know their wide receivers coach Kevin Higgins. I think Kevin Higgins has an argument against anyone except maybe Brian Hartline at Ohio State for wide receiver coach, best wide receiver coach in the nation. You know, you just keep going through a list of, you know, where the, his his staff and who's evaluating the guys that bring in that they're saying like, wow, they're finding these guys and developing it. And it's because Dave Coffin's approach isn't, isn't just, hey, we're just going to go out there and get, you know, these four or five-star guys. Of course, everyone would love them, but it's just been a thing that, they've trusted their evals and their evals have resulted in year after year. It's kind of out loud. Now, the last few years, you'd always, we'd always have the info of like, Oh yeah. Like Miami's coming after this guy, Southern California is coming after this guy, Notre Dame, et cetera. That was usually kind of quiet. Now, now you, you look at the recruits this year and publicly Miami's coming after one of the wide receivers, Notre Dame's coming after one of the wide receivers. Um, you know, they're battling with the, with Clemson for a DB prospect right now. Like, you know, they're it's all, it's in the evaluation. I think that's something that goes really, really, in hand with Dave Clawson is you have to you have to be able to evaluate and then you have to be able to coach. And I think they have some of the best coaches in in the ACC. And I think that's what's kept them there is that we they invested in Dave Clawson to be able to say, hey, you're you've built these programs, you've built up these young men, you've done it everywhere you've done you've done it everywhere you've been, and now he's starting to do that here and not even just starting to do it here. Now Wicks on the path to possibly their back the a back to back 10 win season. So you bring up his evaluation. I think that brings up another point that's a little off topic, but I think connects to what you were saying. One connect, one evaluation he's made, and I, I honestly believe he's not, he's being very sincere, is that he thinks very highly of Jeff Halfley. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think he's, I don't think this is coach speak here. I don't think this is him playing, like, lots of times you'd hear, like, Dabo Sweeney praising Steve Adazio. <laughs> I think this I honestly do believe that Dave Clawson respects Jeff Halfley and thinks he's a coach heading in the right direction. Um and a lot of what you brought up again when we're talking about Halfley's projection and his his direction you're saying all these BC has not had a chance to get all of their recruits in, right? You're watching them throw guys in that are younger that need more time to develop. You bring up the term evaluation. I think that's really important because BC has guys that, you know, they just lost a, a defensive lineman to Notre Dame because right. Halfley was in real early on this kid. And then Notre Dame was like, oh, whoa, this guy is good. Let's get him. Right. <laughs> and he's he's got the same – I feel like he's starting to have the same type of evaluation chops that a guy like Clawson has. But it's going to take some time to get his guys in. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it, it, you got to give a coach. If you really believe, if you think that Jeff Halfley's evaluation is, is crap, then yeah, he may not be the right coach, but if you think that he knows how to evaluate good talent, if you think he knows how to get the right guys in and then coach them up, then he is the right guy, but it's going to take a year. And like, yeah, it stinks that this is the year that you're going to watch him flop a little bit, but Next year, you're going to see more and more. Like we're seeing depth at BC at certain positions, it's going to start to grow and start to grow. It just takes that time. And I think Wake Forest is the perfect example of if you have the patience, where that could end up. Yeah, and I mean you're you're behind the eight ball a little bit because I mean you're the successful season for BC was during the COVID year. 
Right. And a lot of, I, I handle a lot of recruiting talk for Wake's June 24-7 site. A lot of things I hear from negative recruiters and kids is basically the 2020 year, people kind of throw that one out of the way. That is the right. number one thing. It's like whether it was a good year for some teams or a bad for some teams, a lot of times coaches are, are trying to tell recruits, don't worry about that year. So, you know, you really right. only have year one and year two right now is 2021 where you lost your quarterback for what, eight, what, seven, eight weeks at a certain point. And yep. then this year where you've lost an entire offensive line for half the year. And so, I mean, yes, I mean, does it sound like excuses? Yes, but, you know, you got to, at a certain point, you know, what's happening on the field, there are reasons for that. And that's just what what things are. And you're, but you're technically in year two. So you you can have patience. It's fine. It's fine to have patience because not Rome isn't built in the day. And I think we are at a point where we just start firing coaches way too quickly thinking, well, Mike Elko is doing this over at Duke. And I think Duke's a good program right now. Is that sustainable? I don't know. Lincoln Riley, I mean, they've played a bunch of not great teams and the first good team they played all year, Utah, they lost. Like, you know, there there's so many things we like pointing out, like the, the coaches that are doing well when all in all, the coaches in their first two, three years aren't really that good. <laughs> right. Everyone jokes it was Clawson at it was Clawson with the three and O BC game, right? Yeah. It well, was yeah, Clawson yeah, with the O and O Wake Forest. Yeah. <laughs> and like he's now considered an offensive genius. You wouldn't have never thought of that three, no. you know, five years ago, right? No. So Cam, thank you so much for joining us today. I really enjoyed talking to you. Can you tell people where to find you? Yeah. So, I mean, my work is at uh, Demon Deacon Digest on 247sports.com. Um, if you want to follow my terrible tweets, I am at Cam Lemons underscore on Twitter. I promise they're not, they're sometimes not terrible. <laughs> Cam, you're not terrible. Don't, <laughs> don't undersell yourself. Well, Cam, thank you for having uh, coming on. On tomorrow's show, we're going to have Mitch Wolf. We're going to do our previews and predictions, and I'm – it's going to be dire, but I promise you it will be entertaining. So make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube right now and be a subscriber and get all of our content sent directly to you. For Cam Lemons, this is AJ Black, Locked on BC. We'll see you again tomorrow.